Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. Skies. Welcome to this Monday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, Fulton County Elections Director Richard Barron joins me. How prepared is one of the state's most populous counties with registered voters for tomorrow's election? We have 164 sites. We had planned on 198 locations being open. With those 164 sites that we have consolidated, we, we do expect that we will have lines unless if voters go to the My Voter page, the Secretary of State's My Voter page, and check their registration to ensure where they are assigned to vote, that will help reduce the lines. That conversation in just a moment. And speaking of tomorrow's big election day, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger addressed the media today on this election eve. He says this primary Tuesday will be unlike others. This election day will look different. There will be lines. Voters will be interacting with a whole new system. Results will be slower. Things will be better if we weren't in this pandemic, but it is what it is. Raffensperger also shared some early voting numbers. Right now, over 1.2 million Georgians have already voted. And that means we have already reached the record turnout for a general primary in Georgia. But let's talk about tomorrow, what it will look like for all of us. We don't really know exactly what that'll look like. We do know we have fewer polling places in many counties. Some counties will have mega polling locations with over 10,000 voters. With our health protocols, we are guaranteed to see lines tomorrow. That is why I've spent so much time trying to get voters to vote absentee. As it relates to the coronavirus here in Georgia, well, here are the numbers. There are 51,898 confirmed COVID-19 cases. The number of deaths statewide is reported to be 2,180, and there are 8,685 hospitalized. That's all according to the Georgia Department of Public Health at the time of this broadcast. And in other news, according to Atlanta Police Department, there were no arrests made this weekend regarding the protests. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms also lifted the 8 p.m. curfew. This is Closer Look. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Finally, after a couple of rescheduled dates, Georgia's primary is here, and voters tell Closer Look what issues are important. Oh, yeah. So June 9th to me is the big day. So um, I think what's important is police reform. These police need training. Every black person you see is not an agitator. Every black person you see is not a threat. And I think they're going to have to change the whole culture of the police force. This isn't just somebody dies and then we protest and now we're upset and then we go back to our regular life. Like I said, 50 states are listening. 
So this is a time where we really, we really get serious about police reform and really stay on them. Don't let up. Don't let something else happen on social media and then we lose the focus. Let's stay on police reform. Like some sort of police reform. Um, you know, there should be someone policing the police, so to speak. Um, and I just feel like everybody should be held accountable for their own actions. Um, and that's at the top of the list, I think. So, yeah. The issues that matter to us the most probably concern our children and their future. Um, you know, prison, prison reform, obviously this Black Lives Matter movement, we want to see accountability um, in corporate, not just in government, but with corporations and schools. Um, and I think with the coronavirus, I think this is a call for universal health care. I feel like uh, immigration is a big issue for me. I'm an immigration myself, uh, first generation. So just seeing what's been going on in our country with accepting people from outside the country, that's a personal issue for me. Uh, and of course, beyond that, just thinking about how do we create a more equal America for everybody, uh, which has really come to the light in the last few weeks, of course, but it's been a long-standing issue. So, voters are ready. They know what issues are important to them. Polling locations open at 7 a.m. and close at 7 p.m. on Election Day. And the expectation is, sorry to be the bearer of maybe bad news, the lines will be long, despite more than 1.5 million who requested an absentee ballot. What's not clear is how many actually received the ballot. Now, we'll get to that in a moment. For the state's largest county, what safety and sanitary measures are in place due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, Let's ask the guy we always ask. Richard Barron is Fulton County's Director of Registration and Elections, and he joins me now. Director Barron, thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. I'm always happy to join your show. Let's begin with the polling locations. Now, due to COVID-19, there are fewer stations. We know that. Should voters expect to wait hours due to the this year's limited number of sites? We have 164 sites. We had planned on 198 locations being open. With those 164 sites that we have consolidated, we, we do expect that we will have lines unless if voters go to the My Voter page, the Secretary of State's My Voter page, and check their registration to ensure where they are assigned to vote, that will help reduce the lines because if you go to a location that isn't the one to where you're assigned, you will have to vote a provisional ballot. Mm -hmm. We will have two people assigned to each of the old locations to, to direct people to the new locations. And we will also have signs at those locations directing voters to the new locations. But that, that is very important for us to reduce lines is to have people go to their assigned locations. 44 of the 45 changes were directly related to COVID. Now, let's back up for a moment because someone says, okay, I'm used to going to this location. So voters should have received something in the mail, uses that little white postcard that there was a change due to the COVID-19 or what have you. So voters should have already had that information. We sent out a head of household mailing because 
what what happened is a lot of these changes happened so recently that once you order, we have to order those precinct cards from mm -hmm. the Secretary of State's office, which we put in the orders, but it usually takes uh, anywhere from three to five weeks to get those back and get those into the mail. What we did was we mailed out a head of household mailing that, that said, if you are registered to vote in this, in this, at this address, you, your assigned location is here. And no matter the wait, locations will remain open if folks are still in line at 7 p.m. Yes. If you're in line at 7 p.m., the poll will stay open until the last voter votes. Saturday, there was an email blast indicating Fulton County was in urgent need of at least 250 more poll workers for Election Day. To your knowledge, Director Barron, are these polling locations fully staffed and ready come 7 a.m. Tuesday morning? We do have uh, staff at all of those locations. What we are concerned about is we are having significantly more dropouts leading up to election day than we've ever had before. Usually we don't have to worry about no shows on election day. Our poll workers are very conscientious and they, and they show up. But there have been indications that we may either have no shows or that we, um, we, because we've had entire precinct teams drop out uh, just within the last week and a half. So we've had to replace a lot of poll workers. So this is uh, us trying to make sure that we have people in the polling places to work the polling places. Well, at the time of this interview, which is just the day before, it's too late to train people and get folks in. So are you saying that there's a possibility at one of these 164 sites, there may not be anybody there? No, no. We do have people assigned to all those locations. But what we're trying to do is ensure that we have more than enough people for, for the day tomorrow. We will be providing them with a training that will be via video. And that will at least from give them some familiarity with what happens in the location ahead of their their assignment tomorrow but each polling site also has a manager or, or a site manager or something like that correct correct we have uh, managers and assistant managers and clerks at the locations we've talked about these long lines will there be seating for seniors or those who might require some seating assistance if they can't stand for these hours. I mean, I know you maybe won't be able to provide that for everyone, but we've had calls from people saying senior citizens, um, expectant mothers are having to stand in line for more than two and three hours. We received a correspondence from someone saying they were at Garden Hills uh, last Friday till 1.30 in the morning. Garden Hills closed before 11, but we did have, I think at College Park, that, that was true. College Park Library. So how are y'all going to handle that? Well, we've got, we deliver chairs to all the polling locations. And in addition to the 20, 20 or the 18 sites that have the, the most voters assigned to those, to them, we will, we are setting up uh, some tents and also we'll have chairs available. Now, if you're 75 and older, you can request from a poll worker to go to the front of the line. Also, if you're disabled, you between 9.30 and 4.30, you can request to go to the front of the line. So 75 and older, if you are disabled, what about expected mothers, like really expected mothers? 
Well, what I would do is, is if I was a, an expected mother, I would, I would ask the poll worker. And I, I don't think anybody in line is gonna, gonna care if, if somebody that's pregnant uh, goes to the front of the line. Will poll workers be wearing masks, Director Barron? Poll workers are, are we've provided masks. We have also provided uh, sanitizer for the voters. Uh, the polling sites all should have extra masks. If a voter comes in without a mask, we are encouraging that all people wear masks. If, we, if everyone wears a mask, we can use all of the ballot marking devices that are in a polling place. Mm -hmm. If that we can put people you know, closer together and make sure we get to use all of the voting machines if everyone in there is wearing a mask. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Fulton County's Director of Registration and Elections, Richard Barron, on the eve of Georgia's primary. Let's talk about absentee ballots. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger encouraged Georgians to vote by absentee ballot. And as I mentioned earlier, more than 1.5 million requested. But there have been a lot of problems, all kinds of problems. So let's begin here. What happened that now some folks either they still haven't received their absentee ballot or they just got them like a day ago? If a voter has an absentee ballot, the best thing to do would be to vote that absentee ballot and to take it to one of the 20 Dropbox locations we have distributed around the county. They go to FultonElections.com. There is a GIS map that will show them where the where the nearest location is to to them and there should be a picture uh, of the drop box at that location as well as the address of the location those if you use those there will be somebody there at seven o'clock on election night to pick up all of the ballots from those locations so you're encouraging them to still go ahead and drop off the absentee ballot some people may say, you know what, I just want to go and vote because I don't have confidence in this process with me just dropping off my absentee ballot. Can they just go in and vote? They can go in and vote. What will happen is they, they were going to have to to do fill out an affidavit to cancel that absentee ballot look, uh, application or absentee ballot when they go in that when they go through that canceled ballot application or canceled ballot affidavit that can contribute to line length. So, so, so you all better. know, so you all know who's requested an absentee ballot. If someone goes into the polls to, into the location to vote, they give them their ID and their name and the poll worker looks them up on the system. It's going to say there will be an indication that this voter requested an absentee ballot. Yes. If we've, if we have uh, processed an application for that person, we've processed more than 143,000 applications. So, if, if they have re, if they are one of those people that have requested an absentee ballot that we've processed, then they will be in the system as having requested an absentee ballot. What happened? Why the backlog here? We had there were a number a uh, number of things that that happened. I mean, the biggest challenge for us was were the applications that came in through email. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't heard of any issues with the ones that came in through through the mail. Um, what we're gonna do is after this election, we will be bringing in uh, a consultant to go through that, that process that, that took place once they came in via email, because that is clearly the, the weak link for us at this point. And we've had 
so many things going on that doing we, we need to get to the point where we can do a post-mortem on that and look back and take and do an analysis to make sure that that this doesn't happen again in our last conversation you told me voters could find out the status of their absentee ballot on the my voter page but then i heard from a lot of voters that said that information was nowhere to be found were you aware of that well, the My Voter page will, if, if we processed an application, it should show a, an issue date and a mail date. And we're aware that that in many cases, the issue date and the mail date are on there. Voters, we've heard from a lot of voters that, for example, had their ballots mailed on April 21st and no, they, they didn't receive them. Mm-hmm. They've had issue dates, mail dates that were all the way through May and people still haven't received them. Uh, The county took over mailing ballots on May 29th. So anything that was mailed locally, hopefully has made it into voters' mailboxes by by now so that the voters can return those. We've received, through yesterday, we've received uh, more than 85,000 ballots back. Mm -hmm. We expect that number to exceed 100,000 by by, uh, tomorrow evening. And we, a lot of voters brought in ballots and either brought in their ballots during early voting and canceled them, or they they had an application that we had processed and they canceled the application. So of the 30,000 plus that voted early, a significant number of those uh, either turned in their ballots and voted on the machine or they canceled the application that they had. And for clarity, Voters need to take the absentee ballots to one of the designated areas, not just the nearest polling location. You all will not accept them. Right. The only place that they can drop them off is at at one of those 20 20 locations, or they can come to one of the three, our three offices at either the North Annex, the South Annex, or the Government Center. Director Barron, this quote from the Georgia Elections Director. I'm quoting here. Fulton County has made unfortunate decisions that the state did not agree with. For example, they decided to process email applications last. Fulton County's handling of the current election is under investigation by the state election board. Close quote. What well, does that mean? It's untrue that we we it, it, it's just a flat out untruth that we we decided to process those last. I, I don't know where the state came up with that statement. And anytime uh, a a voter files a complaint with the state during an election, uh, a county is under investigation. Mm -hmm. We haven't been notified by the state that we're under investigation. We saw this press release, but every voter, the the Secretary of State's office has an investigative team. Every complaint from around the state that goes into the Secretary of State's office is investigated by that investigative team. So you're saying that you all did not make a decision to process email applications last? No. Why do you think the Secretary of State's office is saying that? Have to ask them. Fair enough. Someone listening says, how can I as a voter in Fulton County be assured that my absentee ballot is going to be counted? If we receive those absentee ballots, we scan. The process is that once we get them in, we scan them, 
then we we scan them in, give uh, credit for voting. Voters can check each day to to ensure that we received them, and then we will we do a verification process on those, and then they they go into the scanner. We've already scanned close to twenty five thousand of those, mm -hmm. and then today and tomorrow we're at the Georgia World Congress Center. We have more than two hundred and ten people that are going to be processing those those ballots, and we will get those. Um, counted uh, by tomorrow night. I want to get to Georgia's new voting machines and the overall process. Voters, for clarity, will not get a printout to keep, but they will be able to review their choices, correct? Yes. Once you make, you, you make your selections on the ballot marking device, which is a touchscreen similar to what they used with our previous voting system, and instead of reviewing, the, they can go to the review screen and then they will print their ballot. Once they take that ballot, they will take that over to a scanner and it'll be scanned in at that time. Can they take a picture? Uh, this is a question from a voter. Can they take a picture of that receipt? Uh, if you take, you are, it's prohibited to use a cell phone within the enclosed area of a polling polling site. And, uh, you can be reported to the Secretary of State's investigative division if you use your cell phone uh, for for taking pictures within the enclosed area of the voting or voting area. And let's be clear for our listeners. So correct me if I'm wrong about what IDs are acceptable. I'm going to go down a list here. Any valid state or federal government issued photo ID. Correct. Yes. A Georgia's driver license, even if it's expired. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. An employee ID from any branch, department, agency, or entity of the U.S. government or Georgia yeah. County, correct? Yes. Valid U.S. passport ID? Valid. Not when it's expired? Passport? Right. A valid passport, yes. Valid U.S. military photo ID? Yes. And a valid tribal photo ID? Correct. If someone, I want to go over this again, Director Barron, if someone shows up at the wrong polling location but they're a registered voter, you all will be able to tell them because they should be in the system where they should go to vote. Correct. But you're yes, encouraging them to go to the secretary of state's website and put in their information before they head out. If they're not sure. Go ahead. Yeah. I think the best thing to do would, for voters is, if, is for them to, to verify where they are assigned to go on election day before they go that way. They, they, that's the most convenient thing for them to do to show up at the correct location. If you show up at the incorrect location, you can still vote, you can vote there, but you will vote a provisional ballot. And the what will count on that ballot will be what is in common between the precinct where you've shown up and the precinct where you live. Not all of that ballot will count. What if you're out of county though? If you vote voting out of county, uh, you can vote a provisional ballot, but nothing on that, that we can't accept out-of-county ballots. Okay. And if folks overall have an issue with trying to cast a ballot for whatever reason, what should they do? Should they contact you? Obviously, if they're in Fulton County, contact your office. Will folks be available? Is there a phone number? Or should they contact the Secretary of State's office? We, we, you can either contact our, they can either contact our office at 404-612-7020 or 7060. And they can also um, and let us know what the problem is. Uh, I would alert a poll manager first 
if they have an issue, a poll manager can always, we have a call center and the poll manager can, can also get, get in touch with us as well. Director Barron, primary day, expected to have a huge turnout. How ready is Fulton County? We have put a lot of things in place for tomorrow because we know that this is, uh, I guess, managing an election in a pandemic has been the most challenging election that we I've ever run. And I know my staff, I've never, I've never been involved in anything like this. It seems as though the, the workload because of the, the absentee part of this has seems to have almost tripled our workload for a normal election. And it, it has been a, a real learning opportunity for all of us. What concerns do you have for election day that maybe we haven't covered yet? My, my main concerns are provisional voters. People go, I mean, we, with 45 polling place changes, that is something that usually happens over maybe a two, a two year election cycle. We might have that many changes, but to have it in one at one time and to have fewer polling locations, it that that is the biggest concern that I have tomorrow. Um, also, I guess I'm I'm also worried about, um, you know, whether people will be able to um, or whether poll workers, all of them will will show up tomorrow. I mean, we've we've had just a couple people in the last in the last week uh, come down with COVID that have been that were supposed to be poll workers. So we know that the that and I guess the, the concern also for the voters that are out there to make sure everybody wears masks and protects themselves uh, from infection. Uh, we know that 67 people became infected in the city of Milwaukee alone in April from their election. Where will you be on Election Day, Director Barron? Uh, the, I'll be in the emergency operations center downstairs here at the Prior Street. Y'all have an emergency operations center? What goes on well, down there? It's like the a war room. Yeah, it's the the Fulton County uh, Emergency Management Agency has a has a room where we can manage things from from that room. Yes. Richard Barron, Fulton County's Director of Registration and Elections. Director Barron, thank you so much for taking the time as always answering questions. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. We'll need it and uh, appreciate you having me on again. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at CF. GreaterAtlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at Richmont.edu. That's R I C H M O N T.edu. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. As mentioned, Georgia's primary is here. Finally, there's a lot on the ballot. And being that, yes, this is a presidential election, sure, that gets much attention as well as the congressional seats. But what about local elections? You know, district attorney, judges, sheriffs, public service commissioner, the coroner. Yes, in, in some counties, you elect the coroner. 
and the tax commissioner. Well, recently, a new Atlanta-based startup branch has launched an attempt to make information about local elections more accessible. And joining me now with more is the founder of Branch, Walter Lay. Walter, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rose, thanks for having me. Tell me about the first time you voted. What year was it? The first time I voted, um, it was back in, I think, 2012. Back in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> you make me feel old, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, did your family talk much about the importance of not just only voting, but the local offices as well? Not really. So they obviously emphasized the importance of voting, and it was always just a matter of responsibility. Um, when I was... I think I was 18. I was still in high school when I cast my vote for the first time. And it was never a question of whether or not I would go vote. Um, I just went and went in, cast my vote for the presidential election, and then I left. Um, And even then, I was thinking about that this morning. I don't remember casting my vote for anything else, but I'm sure there were other things on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I was was a a smart kid, so I, you know, took classes around uh, how the government was structured. But, you know, when it came to words like city council, or, um, you know, even police chief or how any of that is structured, I really didn't understand didn't any know. of that. So. You are a Georgia Tech grad, but let's begin with the origin story for Branch. How did all this come about? Yeah, so I came to Georgia Tech in 2013. So I've been in Atlanta now for almost seven years. And after I graduated from Georgia Tech, I worked at a financial technology startup for a while. Um, After working there for maybe a year or so, I just felt a little bit unfulfilled and really wanted to do something with my skills that I thought had a a better impact and something I could really be proud of. So I spent some time thinking about what that could be. And for me, the area of politics, you know, just always represented such an area where you can have a a huge impact Mm -hmm. and also an area in which there was um, a lot of dysfunction, it seemed. So I started looking at how I could help there. Branch originally started out of the issue of political polarization, which I still think is an important issue that not many people are talking about. Um, And so the original concept for Branch was some sort of chat platform that could produce more productive conversations around divisive political issues online. So instead of, you know, going into Facebook and debating some of the issues going on, just having a more productive conversation. That was the concept for Branch, and I worked on that in addition to my full-time job for about a year, a year and a half. And then with this election cycle coming up, just felt a lot of pressure to do something soon because it was kind of a now or never sort of thing. So decided to leave my job, and upon leaving and upon kind of facing this, this deadline with the election, really started looking at, is this the best way to, um, to help make a difference within the political realm? And at the time, me and some of my teammates I was working with had been doing a lot of research and interviews with voters and campaigns, really just trying to understand this space better. And after a lot of that consideration, we decided to change the concept from its original concept, Mm -hmm. dealing with political polarization to something that was more geared towards state and local elections. Um, And then that's kind of what we've been working on ever since. You know, we asked voters to talk about what issues were important to them. And then we asked them about local races. Take a listen. I think absolutely not enough people are aware. <laughs> but it's, it's something that we could all work on as far as helping spread information around. You know, people think that 
it's important just to vote for the president, but that's not the only election that it's important for people to vote for. You know, and so people have to go out and they have to be informed and they have to make informed decisions and we have to get out and vote. So, Walter, here, enter a startup like Branch. But this person mentioned something very interesting. People have to be informed. And often, you know, other than when you get a mailer in the mail that says vote for the sheriff or vote for this person, maybe folks don't know where to go to access information about candidates in local races. So enter Branch. So what do you all do here? Yeah, so I'll start by saying a lot of folks are focused on how they can get more people to the polls and they focus on, you know, transportation to the polls, they focus on getting more people registered to vote, but nobody really focuses on this step of information, which really is an equally important step in the process of voting. So essentially what Branch is, is we created a free nonpartisan website that people can Go online. Our website is www.branch.vote. Uh, you can just Google search branch.vote and you enter your address. We take that information and we compile a list of the districts that you're in based on all the districts that you're in. You find all the races that are going to be on the ballot for your district. And because this is a primary election, also you'll have to enter in your party affiliation. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we pull together a playlist where you can go through and you can listen to short podcast episodes on each of the races that are going to be on your ballot. And all of those podcast episodes, for the most part, feature interviews with the candidates. You can actually get to hear the candidates and hear about their top priorities. And if you're not a big podcast listener, you can also read an overview of the, uh, the races that are happening. And then you can make choices within the website and it's kind of a full guided mm-hmm. experience. By the way, uh, Walter, I've seen your tag all over the belt line. Y'all have gotten permission to do that? <laughs> um, so we have a uh, we have a pretty big volunteer team, and uh, I'm not fully in control of, of what they do. But <laughs> Spoken like a true founder. <laughs> so I imagine there might have been some races you all weren't able to speak to candidates about. I mean, it's a lot. Are we just talking about the Atlanta area, Georgia? Yeah, it has been a lot. We're mainly right now just focused on statewide races and races that overlap with Fulton County and DeKalb counties. Mm -hmm. Um, That's mainly what we're focusing on to start. Our goal is to be able to expand, you know, nationally or throughout the state of Georgia to be able to provide this information. But for the most part, we've just focused on Fulton and DeKalb counties. There are some races in which we didn't get interviews for candidates. Either candidates didn't respond Mm -hmm. or uh, we weren't able to get in touch with them. But for the most part, we have good coverage. The voice you hear is Walter Lay, Georgia Tech graduate who recently launched the Atlanta-based startup Branch. And he's talking about how he hopes his company will inform voters heading into Tuesday's elections. Do you all have a target audience, Walter? So really, we want this to be a tool for anybody that is looking to vote at the state and local levels. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, we've mainly been reaching out to to young people. Um, but that being said, we want this to be a tool that, that works for everybody. And so we have users that are spanning all sorts of demographics and background and geographic areas as well. Um, and we've really stressed being able to make this something that's usable and accessible for everybody. If they are a seasoned local voter or a first time local voter, uh, we try and make it as convenient and digestible as possible. And you all are a nonpartisan startup, you don't cater to one particular party. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Um, You know, we have our roots in this issue of political polarization. And again, I think that is an important issue. 
Um, from my perspective, I don't think that we can continue to, to come together as a society and understand each other better if the left side of the aisle is getting their information from one news source and the right side of the aisle is getting their information from another news source. And so really we're trying to be as even-handed as possible in how we present the information and let folks make the decision for themselves. Um, what questions are you all asking the candidates? So we asked the candidates a, a few different questions about themselves and their own backgrounds. We asked the candidates about their worldview. And then most of the interview is centered around asking about the issues. So their top priority in a number of different issues, which just depends on the type of race. Mm -hmm. um, but that's something that, you know, as we move forward, we want to continue to build out and just make sure that's more representative of the sorts of issues that Atlantans care about. Based on that, you mentioned issues that Atlantans care about. So you also have to pay attention to some of those issues. So are you out talking to voters as well? Is there a feedback portal on the websites where you're asking folks, hey, what issues are important to you so we can make sure we ask these questions to the candidates? Yeah, there is. Um, people can give feedback on the website. But more than anything, we have a very user-centered design process. And that's been one of the main things that has really set us apart think as a startup, we make sure that everything that we do is purely guided by user input and feedback. And so one of those big things is deciding what we cover off in the interviews. Mm -hmm. So when we decide what issues to ask, all of the issues that we've asked about come from, you know, a set of design sessions that we've done with voters in the Atlanta area to understand what they're interested in and what they're passionate about. Let's talk about your business model for a second. Branch, you are not a nonprofit. You're a startup, which means you do want to make some money, correct? That's correct. How do y'all make money? So right now, um, the main goal has really just been proving out that people are interested in something like this before we focus on how to make money. Um, our plan is we, again, provide all of this podcast coverage for free. So we interview the candidates for free and we provide this as a free resource to voters. Mm -hmm. Our plan is to, um, whenever you go into the app and you select which candidates you want to vote for, you also have an opportunity to sign up for the candidates email list or volunteer list um, to get involved at a deeper level. And so if you ever mark that, we take that information and uh, we sell it to the candidates that you've um, specifically opted into. And that's mainly how we plan to make our money. What do you think about that? Do you think some people might take issue with that? Yeah, I mean, just to to put it up front, we never sell or share any of your personal information, any of who you're voting for, anything like that. The only case in which we do it is when you give very explicit permission and you say, share my email address with this candidate. Do you all um, take money from any campaigns or candidates, Walter? Only in that situation in which people have opted into those email lists for candidates, but we don't take any sort of money that influences, you know, giving priority to a candidate or anything like that. How transparent will you be with that information if someone wants to know in terms of which candidate you all have been selling the information where the person agreed to? One could say that's very important, particularly dealing with the nature of your company as it relates to voters and voter information. Yeah. So I'll say, I mean, we're a young startup. We still have to figure a lot of this out. Um, I'll even say that we, we haven't sold any of that information yet. Um, the reason why I left my job in the first place is because I wanted to work for 
a company that had impact and I wanted to do work that I was proud of. And that is a, a key value of branch is, and what a value that the team shares is doing work that we're proud of. And so, you know, I'll be upfront and tell everybody, we're not going to share any of your information. If that's not something that, um, that you want, you know, we'll be fully transparent with, with how we do that. Mm -hmm. um, our goal is to, to really be a company that has a positive social impact and is guided by these moral values. And that's something that we're committed to doing throughout the whole process. How big is your staff? So right now we have about five people that are working with us. Um, for the most part, those are people that are just working on this one election. And then we'll kind of uh, see what comes next after that. And then in addition, one of the really exciting things has been as we've continued to gain traction and get our name out there, we have built a volunteer team, which is now, I think, around 20 people or so. Mm -hmm. um, people that have found us, people, some people which we're personally connected to, but for the most part, people that have found our website and are just interested in giving their time and uh, contributing to the work that we're doing. So, How diverse is total. that team, Walter? How diverse is the volunteer team? And how diverse is your team, the branch team? Yeah, it's it's pretty diverse. You know, we have people from um, all sorts of race backgrounds, um, religious backgrounds, sexual orientations. And so that's been something that uh, is obviously important to us. There's things that we can do better, things that we're planning on doing better. Um, one of the big things has been we don't have an executive team yet. And so that's a really unique position that we're in. Mm -hmm. And it's something that after June 9th, um, I'm planning on doing is, is building out that executive team. And that's going to be one of the top priorities is making sure that we have good representation and uh, ensure that we can, uh, yeah, just help build equity. Will you also have a board? Yeah, for now, no. Um, we are not taking any sort of venture capital money right now. Just because, again, we think that's another important thing to make sure that um, our primary responsibility is the sort of social impact that we can have and not needing to answer to a board about, um, you know, becoming the most profitable company. Mm -hmm. our, our main goal is, uh, is providing that social impact. So that's why we don't have a board for now. You just talked about you launched this because of the social impact, mm -hmm. the importance of it but you're also a founder of a company. So what have you learned about running a startup? The good, the bad, and the ugly? <laughs> it's a lot, I will tell you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned for one that I have the ability to, to work crazy amount of hours if the startup depends on it. Um, and that there's definitely a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into uh, making this June 9th information accessible for everybody. So encourage them to, to check it out. Um, you know, it's, it's been tricky. It's been tricky as, as a political startup that is really trying to be available for people on both sides of the aisle. That's been a hard thing to, uh, to manage. You consider yourself a tech startup? Yeah, we do. Yeah. The technology is, is really at the center of this and, and making this something that's, that's easy and, and accessible to use. Now, Walter, some of these races will be headed to a runoff. Will y'all continue to then go back and re-interview those candidates for your podcast? Yeah. So for anybody that's created an account on Branch, we will keep them up to date with the sorts of candidates that they voted for or the races that they voted in that go to a runoff. And then we'll notify them. Uh, we'll probably re-release the episode with the existing content that we've put out and trim down to the candidates that are just involved in the runoff. 
Um, again, runoffs are extremely important and it's one of those things that are oftentimes um, ignored or people people aren't aware of. And mm -hmm. so we just hope that this can be something that keeps people in the loop about these runoff elections. And so Walter, after we get past November, then what? Because there's a little bit of a lull before the big election season, outside of some maybe some special elections, then what will Branch be doing? That's a great question. I would love to take some time off. <laughs> and that's what I'm definitely planning on doing. You're the founder of a startup, Walter. There is no time <laughs> off. <laughs> it's, it's a good question. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. You know, apart from just local elections, there's obviously quite a bit of activity that goes on within local politics, whether it be, you know, legislative sessions, things like that. We've considered um, keeping people informed on. Like you said, there are plenty of elections that happen off cycle, whether it's special elections or I know there's going to be uh, quite a few important elections here in Atlanta within 2021. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're still trying to figure it out. But right now, just kind of taking one day at a time. All right. Walter Lay, founder of the Atlanta-based startup Branch. Walter, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And for everybody listening uh, who's voting tomorrow or knows people that are voting tomorrow, definitely encourage you to, to go onto our website and uh, use this as a, a resource to figure out who you're voting for, even if it's just a way to pass the time and the, uh, the long voting lines, which I'm sure many folks will be encountering. Hey, Walter, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rose, and thanks for what you're doing. That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Canavy. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, you can listen to Closer Look weeknights at 8 p.m. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.